and welcome to another uh, Political Yeti's Politics podcast. I am James Miller and I am back in my tiny little studio in Westminster and I am joined today by Tony Grew, parliamentary journalist, friend of my podcast in previous uh, uh, incarnations. It makes perfect sense since I'm back in the studio and to be back with Tony. Particularly as I'm the person who showed you where the studio exactly. was. Exactly. Yeah. Very good point. Um, and because, of course, you are a conference veteran. Yes. In conference season. Well, conference season's kind of come to a close. It hasn't really because we've got the SNP conference next week. Yeah, so, so for 95% of the population, the conference season is... Uh, no, 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 SNP obviously have a large parliamentary They are presence, indeed. They're the, so they're, they're the third still largest a very party. important uh, conference. It'd be interesting actually to see how many of uh, our colleagues at Westminster are going to the SNP conference and to compare that with previous years because when the SNP only had um, six MPs, yeah. almost nobody ever from Westminster went, but there's over over the years, particularly since they've become the third party and, and have a, a you know a significant amount of influence at Westminster, it'll be interesting to see how many of our colleagues are going up to Scotland for that conference. Not as many as last year, I bet. Oh, really? Lots went last year because it was like, who are these people? What's going yeah. on here? Yeah. Um, I suspect this year there'll be slightly less interest. Though um, apparently it's good. I'm after uh, being a conference veteran. I've actually weirdly been to Applied Cymru conference, but never to an SNP conference. So hopefully I'll maybe get up there next year because I'm sure it's great crack. Um, well, I've heard so. I've never been to an SNP conference either because it's in Scotland. Not because I'm anti-Scotland or anything, but because when I worked for a Scottish publication, there was lots of journalists yeah. in Scotland to go and I didn't need to, okay? Just to be clear, it's not a snob. Um, conference season, right, well, we've just uh, literally just been watching uh, Theresa May's uh, speech, the new Prime Minister. Mm-hmm. Um, your immediate reaction? She's bonkers. What? That's, <laughs> That's my, my immediate reaction is I look at this woman and I think... You'll be out of your job in a, in, a, in a few years. I mean, you have absolutely no mandate. You're basically what you're doing is you're trashing, completely trashing, completely trashing David Cameron's uh, manifesto and his legacy. The manifesto that the, that the 330 Tory MPs at the moment 329 because David Cameron's walked off in a half, which, by the way, is important and indicative of how this is going to go for her in the next year or so. So let me just finish. You have a Tory, you have Tory MPs that are elected on a manifesto. Yes. That she's trashed. She has no mandate to do that. She she hasn't she hasn't even talked about mandates. She doesn't even have the support of Tory MPs. They voted in a five-way contest that led her to then be in the final two for an election that never happened. So she has no mandate from the people. She has no mandate from the Tory party membership, and she's no mandate from her from from her own MPs. Yet is under the impression that she has been handed a mandate via Brexit to completely radically restructure the country in ways I find disturbing. Well, that is one take. Um, I would dispute that she's bonkers for a start um, because, you know, she's the Prime Minister. Um, uh, and you, you think those are mutually exclusive? Do well, you? yeah, I don't think you get to be Prime I Minister. I don't think I'd bonkers. quite realise um, quite I don't think she's to, trashed. To the thing is, she, she hasn't trashed the manifesto. What she said today was actually quite similar to the stuff, some of it anyway, it was quite similar to the stuff that Cameron and Osborne came out of last year with this grab so-called grab for the middle for the center ground is that a joke no there's you, some of it sorry is. Theresa may has turned to business let's take no, no, this no, one no. thing no. Theresa may has turned to business and said we want to shame you into registering how many of your workers come from foreign companies that go and see how the business community is reacting to that because it's not good let she me tell you that. it's not good that was amber rudd but the stuff she said i mean she said exactly the same stuff as um cameron did last year about you know if you're a, a black man you're more likely to go to prison than to go to university sort of thing all this sort of stuff that was exactly the same as the things he said now i'm not denying there are bits of it that are certainly 
uh, significantly more right-wing than you might hear. What, you mean like we don't want these foreign doctors over here with their dirty hands touching our patients? You mean that sort of ridiculous, horrific, fascist nonsense that she's come out with in the last few days? She didn't say anything. No, I'm not saying it's her Actually, she did say that. She said that on breakfast television. She did say that. She didn't say anything about dirty foreign doctors. She talked uh, talked a load of nonsense about how the NHS should be staffed by British doctors that have gone to British universities and some sort of bizarre thing about self-sufficiency and an NHS, by the way, that's collapsing and the only thing that's keeping it properly up are junior, or sorry, our foreign doctors that have come to this country. I mean, the woman, it's delusional nonsense. And, you know, it's its a sort of, a, it's one thing I never expected to see, which was the government swing into this sort of horrific, bigoted little, sort of little Englander attitude towards the rest of the world. It's, it's scary, to be honest. But this is the weird thing about the speech, right? Is yeah. that exactly that. There's, a, there's this weird UKIP-y bit going on. I mean, there's people joking that Nigel Farage wrote this speech. It's um, too left except for him. there's bits of it. Exactly, there's bits of it. it didn't it's, it's trying to marry these two things up. I mean, she said, "What the um, extreme right and the and the centre left." Yeah. Right. Good luck with that, Theresa. Well, absolutely. But that seems to be where she's at. I mean, you know, is her party there? By the way, to go to our original point, is her party there? I mean, this is the problem with Theresa May. She thinks she's been handed a mandate by Brexit. Grammar schools is the first one coming down the line, where she just decided, apparently by herself, she just decided that the entire government and Conservative Party policy and education was going to be turned on its head. That's this is this is why I say I, th- I don't think her position is very secure because she's not treating the party by which I mean the MPs in the way that she should and she's going to run into trouble very very quickly. Okay, well let's put it this way: as a leader's speech, uh, it was I would suggest middling. Yeah, you yeah. mean as the big set piece addressed to conference? Yeah, you've seen lots of the well. Yes, I have. I've seen lots of leaders giving speeches lots over lots the years, yeah. um, and it was okay. In terms of the way it played, and mm. there was no, there was no real meat in it. There was no real not policy sure, stuff. Not sure about how it played on the whole. Actually, I think you'll find there's a lot of you know, uh, you know. She talks about we're going to be the new workers' party. It's a nice slogan. Yes. But if what that means is attack on business, then the, you're you're going to lose quite a significant part of the Tory core. the The problem with our politics at the moment is there doesn't appear to be anywhere else for them to go. Yeah, I mean that's part of it. And as I say, I mean Cameron and Osborne did this grab from the centre ground last year, and then Osborne cut tax credits and was immediately portrayed as being way out in the right the things they say at conference and the things they actually do there's a, yeah, a gap right yeah, but that's what concerns me about Theresa May can you not see it in her eyes I mean she is she's a true believer she actually believes all this nonsense she's coming out with and she thinks she's been handed you know this is this is a woman who never expected to become prime minister who's not been handed it and as I say the thing that worries me is the messianic way in which she's approached this she, she now thinks that she's been handed some sort of mandate a mandate she does not possess never expected to be prime minister well she had no chance I mean you know Boris would have wiped her the floor with her amongst Tory party members. I think that's pretty obvious. Uh, but in the grand scheme of things, she mm. was always she's been no, angling grand, for, for years. Yes, she's but, had that and job. For years, in mind. people have always said that she wouldn't be able to get it for for a couple of key reasons. The most important of which was she has no network in Parliament, and that's still the case. She has no network in Parliament. Yeah. The support for her amongst MPs is is wide and very 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 shallow. Uh, you know, she, mm. she hasn't built up. Uh, and by the way, that's what I mean by my concern or my hope for her position uh, becoming increasingly untenable is that is that she's trying to radically change the party without even speaking to her MPs about it. And that that's, you know, don't when you throw into the mix the fact that we're going to have significant Brexit insecurity and that the economy is probably going to go up and down and all over the place and Tory MPs are going to become increasingly concerned about the direction of the mm. party. I think she's in trouble. She doesn't um, see it yet, but I think it's coming. She's the new Gordon Brown. I've heard that said. I don't see... I mean, the thing with Gordon Brown is he was actually much more... And this is the thing that today's... Not just today's speech, but this conference has shown us. Brown was a very cautious leader. 
you know, in terms of his, yes. you know, slow, softly, softly, yeah. incremental change, a little bit of a tinker here, try and keep the country ticking along, try and keep the economy ticking along. He wasn't turning around and saying things like, we basically want to create a Britain where we no longer have any need of any foreign workers. And therefore, by extension, no need to have no need to have any of those people in our country. And that's that's the bit of her her bizarre vision for the future of our country that worries me. It's hard Brexit. It's visas for people to come in and out of the country. It's a reduction in the number of students coming to our country, which is a disastrous policy. And it's a general assumption that every single job in Britain should be done by a British person and that companies that employ people who aren't British are being unpatriotic and should be shamed. Yeah. That's the sort of country she's attempting to create. Well, yeah, whether all that actually happened. Are you worried you're going to get deported? Why would I be deported? I don't know. You seem very up, head up about it. Yeah. I'm a British citizen. Well, um, I don't know. But um, for now. What do you mean for now? Well, who knows what's going to happen in Ireland with Brexit and all that? I, who who knows honest, what could happen? To be honest with you, I think there'll be a quite a sensible solution to the Northern Ireland issue. All right, but given your background. Yeah. Um, you mean I grew up in a place of division? Well, Strife. that's true. Um, hatred was sewn in. One thing that has been mentioned about this conference Them is and that us. Well done, Theresa. Theresa May Theresa. has done a very good job of um, embracing the DUP Well, and their votes. I think there's a lot of nonsense talked about this, to be honest. I mean, I, they, there are eight DUP votes and two Austrian Unionist Party votes as well. Uh, but, you know, if Theresa May's party is an open revolt and split, then those eight votes are going to be a particular help to her. Um, also, there's an interesting prospect to do with evil, and that's another thing to remember. English votes for English laws. It means that actually there, there's a there's a any bill that's judged to be England only by the Speaker yeah. has, a, has a new process that yeah. it has to go through that, that ensures that it is the support of English yes. MPs only. Now, the Tories have a big majority in, yes. in England only, yeah. uh, around 100 uh, but that's you know there's a part parts part of the process where the DUP can't help. Also, that's that's sort of overblown. And can I just say one thing? I think if Theresa May thinks that what will help maintain the peace in Northern Ireland is her getting into bed with the Unionist Party, then she's she really needs to rethink that. I think it's quite dangerous. It's always been quite dangerous for the Tories to just look at Unionists and think, well, there's some votes for us. Because what's the corollary of that in Northern Irish terms? Does that mean that Sinn Fein and the other nationalist parties aren't being treated and aren't getting any special favours? You know, what does it mean? Yeah. And I don't Doesn't think that's I don't think it's appropriate. And also, by the way, if Theresa May finds herself in a position where she's relying on the votes of the DUP, she should resign. Um, you're quite down on Theresa May, aren't you? I'm really. I'll be honest. I'm extremely disappointed. I'm extremely women. disappointed. I was I was very very pleased when she won the leadership. I thought she was a pragmatic leader. I'd I'd heard her make speeches before a conference that I found inspiring about race relations, about the need for us to embrace all of our communities, about making sure that Muslim communities aren't uh, under attack, but that there's a there's a mutual, you know, thing between our, our ethnic minority communities and our and our wider society about what we have to expect from them, but what they should expect from us. I I'm stunned at this speech. I'm depressed at this speech. I'm horrified at it. And I, I I'm genuinely worried about what the hell she thinks she's doing and what sort of country she thinks she's about to create. Okay, well, let's try to go further back. Jeremy Corbyn, last <laughs> oh, week. Oh, yes, yes, Jeremy Corbyn. Down on him as well? Oh, no, I think Jeremy's an inspiration for anyone that wants revolutionary socialism swept into Britain. I think that Jeremy energises a very small part of the British electorate. I think that I think yeah. that's the case. And so, electorally, that's absolutely useless. Um, and I think that the Labour Party... But I'll, let me just say this thing about Jeremy Corbyn, because obviously he was re-elected with a larger mandate. 
I can understand the criticism of Jeremy, and obviously I see it uh, politically, but it's actually the sensible wing of the Labour Party that need to have a long look at themselves. It's actually the part of the party, it's the three quarters of MPs who, who said they had no confidence in him, it's the uh, you know 60-odd members of his shadow team that walked out. They're the ones that have to have a look at themselves. They're the ones that have to say, hold on, up against Jeremy Corbyn, we couldn't even mount a decent campaign against him. We ended up picking some sort of carry-on character as apparently the future of our, of our you know, of our party and our country. Uh, How is he a carry-on character? I mean, it's a joke. Did you see some of those speeches? I mean, it was like, I thought he was a ringer from the Tory party to make them look bad. Oh. I mean, he looked like Penfold. He was just the most um, incompetent, you know, uninspiring choice I've ever seen. Really, Owen Smith, that's what you're coming at me with. Please. Not a carry-on character, though. I mean, he's it's carry-on, carry-on incompetence. Oh, okay. Yeah, carry-on gaff. Um, all right. Or indeed, in, in this um, case, carry-on Corbyn. Well done, everyone. Here's the thing with the Labour Party, though. Right, they went into their conference and everybody thought it was going to be a disaster. Yeah. And they came out of that conference and people went, "Well, that wasn't too bad. Nobody actually got hurt." And um, you know, people like Clive Lewis came out of it enhanced. Angela Rayner uh, and Corbyn gave a decent speech to the hall, at least. Um, whereas the Tories went into conference, people going, well, they're the government, they're in mm. decent nick. Mm. And we were coming out of conference going, ooh, there's some crazy stuff going on inside the Tory party. That's because Theresa May's announced a series of crazy policies that no one expected. No doubt but again it's in, without is it, not, is it not interesting that the two parties are perhaps getting closer in the sense that both quite uh, divided and inept, but Labour are creeping up and the Tories are heading down and they're going to meet each other somewhere near the bottom. I think that um, the pace of politics has changed completely. You're absolutely right. We would we would normally talk about these things in cycles of four or five years. Yeah. Who's up, who's down, what way is the tide yeah. going? I think if Labour find a half-decent leader, then they could be making a serious challenge. But they don't have a half-decent leader and they've got no chance of having one. But I get your point. I mean, it is it is interesting that Labour seems to... Labour settled down, but that's because Labour, you know, the, the what I like to think of as the reality-based members of the Labour Party have basically piped down because they've lost. And they so, know that they're going to have to keep quiet, keep their head down, regroup and try and think of another strategy to get rid of Jeremy. Is there not also an element of... Um, an interrogator put this to me this morning... Um, an eight-year-old interrogator said, you know, who would you rather have, Jeremy Corbyn or Theresa May? Is there not a good chunk of the, the, the population who, having seen Theresa May's attack on immigrants and foreigners and all the rest of it, will say, actually, I'd rather have Jeremy Corbyn. I'm not keen on Jeremy Corbyn, but if I've got to choose between the two, I'll go for Corbyn. I think Labour's strongest suit at the moment would be to stress its uh, breadth of talent. So if I was Jeremy Corbyn and I'm looking at this situation, I'd think what I need to do is make sure I can get as much of the talent of the party onto the front bench. This is a team effort. And again, I think if Jeremy's smart, one of the things that his his advisors need to unpick and uh, de-emphasise is this leadership personality cult around the leader. The Labour Party is a broad church. It's one of the biggest cliches in politics, but there's a there is a, you mentioned two of them. I'm not a particular fan of Clive Lewis, but Angela Rayner is very impressive. Uh, there's a huge amount of talent in the Labour Party benches, and what's been happening at the period over the sort of last period of time is that they've been sort of huffing, sitting in the back benches, refusing to contribute yeah. formally through the party. I think if, at the very next week there'll be next Monday Parliament comes back and there'll be the first meeting of the Parliamentary Labour Party. Yes. I really hope that the message that they all come out of that with is unity, 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 and unity, and that everyone with talent needs to get onto the onto the front bench and that Jeremy in particular needs to stand back a bit and stop making the Labour Party all about him. Key phrase there, if Jeremy's smart. 
Yeah. We'll find out next week, I suppose. We will. MP? Liberal Democrats. <laughs> I don't want to talk about the Liberal Democrats. Why do you want to talk about Liberal Democrats? Because they're completely irrelevant. No, wait. They are the future. Really? Of what? Um, they're, they're the coming force, right? Well, I'm not sure about that. I don't know where you get that from. I mean, the thing, let me say this about the Lib Dems. They have a level of optimism about the world that borders on the psychotic. And I kind of like that about them because they're they're eternal optimists. They, they think, you know, just around the corner, uh, you know, this is a political party that went from 56 MPs to eight. I'm trying to think of that scale of defeat. That scale of, let me just finish. And, you know, don't appear to be making any headway in the polls whatsoever, yet are still chipper as they can be about the fact that they've won a couple of by-elections. That's so Lib Dem. And, you know, look, I think the Lib Dems will be back, but I think it's a longer build for the Lib Dems. The way the Lib Dems can, re- can gain seats is through local action, local yeah. councils. That takes time. It takes time to build. So I don't, see the, I don't see the Lib Dems coming back in any significant way. But they don't need to have many, given the, the, the way Parliament is balanced at the moment, yeah. they don't need that many seats. Tories don't need to lose many. Lib Dems don't need to win many to suddenly the Lib Dems hold the balance of power. Well, when when we have a by-election uh, later this month and numbers are back to, in other words, the Parliament's properly full in terms of, uh, you know, we've got two empty seats at the moment, the yeah. government will have a working majority of 16. Um, now, people talk about that being, it is a small majority, um, uh, but what governments tend to do when they have that sort of majority is back away from things where they think they're going to lose. So... Yeah. You know, I can't. I, the idea that the government's going to face a series of defeats um, would be poor party management by the chief whip. Uh, yeah, but I mean, at a, at a general election rather than in the immediate future. Yeah. At the next general election, Lib Dems win another ten seats. They've got the balance of power there. They they could do that, though. I'd be interested to see what seats you think they're going to achieve swings of that level in. Um, I know what you're thinking, which is seats that they previously held. Uh, yeah, some. The problem with that is that the Tories. And this is another problem for Labour as well, is that the Tories have kind of entrenched themselves into those into a lot of seats. So in other words, seats that were marginal for the Tories in, in the twenty ten election weren't marginal in, in you know, you had people that had a, a majority of yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. maybe a thousand Tory MPs sitting a majority of a thousand yeah. who spent the whole twenty ten to fifteen parliament really worried about it, who then come back in in twenty fifteen, you talk to them and go, Oh no, my majority's now ten thousand. I'm yeah. not the least bit worried. So, you know, the Lib Dems are facing some pretty tough battles and also you know they have to they have to find their place, but but you're I think you're right in this sense that that there there is suddenly going to be a market for people who might have thought of themselves as soft Tories or Blairites when Tony Blair was in power, but now look at what, if, what effectively both of the political parties, the main political parties, have run to the extreme in many ways. Yeah, there's a, a big so there gap. is there is a big gap. There. And who which leader gave the best leader speech? Um, the one I was most impressed with was probably Jeremy Corbyn, just because no, I wasn't expecting it was to Tim be. Farron. Obviously. Oh, sorry, I didn't know you. you I, my he opinion gave the was best to be. leader speech. Oh, okay, sorry. Well, maybe in the bizarre. Did you, not, did you miss that one? No, I did see it. Maybe in the bizarre little bubble great. you inhabit. But um, it I was easily the best speech. It was pitched right. It was a bit funny. The fact that Jeremy normal. Corbyn, the fact that Jeremy Corbyn speech was professional, really impressed me. But that's such a low bar. Who would you rather go to the pub with, Tim Farron, Jeremy Corbyn, or Theresa May? I wouldn't go to the pub with any. That's not. You got to answer the question. Come I've on. I've got to. Yes. How long am I staying for? No. Come on. It's easy. Well, it's not. What sort of pub is it? How long are we staying for? Are we going for a session? Are we going to have a small mineral water and stay well, for twenty minutes? Who knows? Minutes? You might just go for a pint, and then you find you get on so well, you stay longer. Okay. You're well, just... in that case, obviously Theresa May, because what? I need to have a serious conversation with her about the direction she's taking the country. Oh in. man, you must be rubbish in the pub. That's not why you go to the pub. You go to the pub to just like 
So who would you pick? Tim Farron, obviously. You've got a bit of a thing for Tim Farron. Tim Farron is the coming man. He is the coming man of British politics. Okay. And and he's normal-ish. I mean, I know he's a Lib Dem, but he's still more normal than Jeremy Corbyn or Theresa May. I think that one of the big appeals... You could have a point with Tim Farron. You could have a point with the other I think one of the big appeals for the Liberal Democrats um, in the past sort of period of time was Nick Clegg. I think, you know, Clegg had the chops. He looked like a leader. He spoke like a leader. He was serious. You know, he had purpose. And he took the party into government now. I can't see. Can you see seriously see, see Tim Farron sitting around the that's cabinet? That's not Tim Farron's job, but that's the difference. You see, the, so you can the see job Tim is Farron different. In the cabinet. No, the job now is to build up the party, as you say. Tim Farron is the right man in the right place for that. The job then was to be a Westminster politician who could seriously take a party in the government, and obviously Nick Clegg was well well placed for that. It's a different job, and once Farron has rebuilt the party, I suspect he'll get chucked overboard and somebody else will take over. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's but, still the coming man. Yeah, because he's going to build the party up into to what it needs to be. Well, we'll see. They're from a very low base, they can surely they can't go any further down. They can only go up, mm. right? No, actually, I think you'll find with boundary changes they're going to lose four of their eight MPs. But sure, they'll come. They'll win current. other places, I have no doubt. Um, right, there we go. That um, well, that is conference sort of season sort of covered. Um, Slightly. Have you got any? Um, Amazing conference season anecdotes that you want to share? Um, your vast experience? I'm just trying to think of any that aren't really dirty. Ed Balls, um, having to sing song around the piano and all that sort of stuff. N- that used to happen fairly yeah, regularly. Yeah, I mean, there's, the, the thing I'd say about them is that every dif- every party conference is different, but they tell you so much about the political party. That's the difference. So, yes. you know, the Labour Party conference is all about the unions. It's all about yeah. these unions. Tra- and every panel that you have has a trade unionist on it, and people are going to the Unite Disco. And the Tory party is all about, you know, exclusivity and champagne receptions yes. with higher and higher levels of exclusivity. And the Liberal Democrats is just a load of middle class people sitting talking about tidal no, basins. No, 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 it's not. They, they it, do they have a disco. They all get drunk and sing sweary songs about their opponents. Come and, on. And that tells you more about the Lib Dems. That tells you everything, basically, about what the, what the Lib Dems are like. They're the best fun of the three of them. No, I'm, no that's I'm, not true. No, actually. they're not, actually. Labour used to be the best fun because you have people singing over a sing song around the piano. You I, enjoy, I enjoy the Tory party conference the most because it's the biggest one. Yeah, but it's not as fun. It is if you Honestly. know people. I'm not well, sure if you know many Tories. Well, obviously, I covered Scottish politics. So I didn't know many Tories. That's true. I think that's probably the difference. But, um, like you say, it was a bit swanky and a bit exclusive. Did you feel like it wasn't for you? Did you well, feel a bit yeah, excluded? when I got to the bar, I did, because it was always so expensive. Well, that's, not going to be to be To be fair, though, uh, hotel bars are expensive in every conference. True, but they always seem to be more expensive at Tories. I think they bumped their prices up for the Tories. Yeah, I did the 2014. I did nearly all of the conference season sober, and that was, that was an interesting experience. I don't know why you do that. It doesn't make any sense to me. Because um, I, was, I was going through a health, going through a health kick at the time, you see. And I yeah, think it's important you, to if detox. If I was going to a health kick, I would postpone it till after conference season. Oh, no, it was like a six-month health kick. It wasn't like a Well, right, I'd suspend it for conference season then. But there you go. Each to their own. Eh? <laughs> um, yeah, I was probably sober through Tory conference because I couldn't afford the drink. Um, okay, listen. Uh, there you go. That's conference season. Um, MPs are back next week. Uh, and Lords, of course. Uh, so uh, politics starts again. Um, uh, so we'll hope to try and get some of them on and have some fun with them. No doubt we will have Tony grew back as well because uh, he has a podcast regular uh, with his opinions. Um, if his you views. want to uh, sponsor this podcast, uh, I'm still looking for a sponsor. What's this week five? Come on, people, show me the money. Uh, or if you just want to discuss anything in this podcast, get in touch with me. I am politicalyeti at gmail.com. 
or you can get me on Twitter. I am at Political Yeti. And uh, tune in next week for another of Political Yeti's politics podcasts. Thank you.